You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. What a joy to celebrate baptism, hey? What a joy. I, I honestly, I want to encourage you, if you haven't been baptized, it's not a, uh, you need to go think about it. You just need to be obedient to Jesus, and you need to do it. And whether that's today or it's next week, but as soon as you can, don't put it off any longer. We're in a series in the, at the moment as a church on talking about the kingdom of God. Um, we want to be a kingdom advancing people. I think that was the right image that, that popped up. Um, a kingdom advancing, Jesus following, spirit empowered people. That's who we're called to be. We're not just a, we're not a social club. We're not just a, a, a Sunday morning gathering. We're here with a purpose. We want to see the kingdom, which is the rule and reign of Jesus, impact and transform every area of our lives, our families, the church, and those around us. Um, and before I jump into this morning's uh, unpacking of this a little bit more, one of the things that we're feeling in the Lord for this year as a, as a team, to be ready for what he wants to do in and through us, is that we feel like it's time for us as a church to pay off this building. Like, what? Paul's excited to pay off this building. Um, now, some of you may have been involved in, like, building offerings, and you're like, oh, I've got some trepidation about this. I'm not asking you to sell your house. I'm not asking you. What I'm asking you to do is to pray with us that God would provide because he's the provider. We, uh, we're in a, a, an amazing place as a church where we only owe about $310,000 on this building. Um, and that's, to me, that's amazing. Um, it's amazing, and it's, it's by the grace of God and it's by people's faithfulness that we're in this position as a church where we're not leasing a place. We've been able to purchase, and we have very little to pay off. Um, but we, we believe, and God has been saying it over and over again, that we need to get ready for increase. Now, I don't know what that, that looks like, um, and, but God's been speaking it again and again, and so we want to respond to him. Being free of a mortgage on a building will release us for more flexibility. It will release us to respond to him in however that looks like. Um, I'm not gonna, we're not going to pass the buckets around right now. We're, we're, gonna, we're actually looking at doing an offering later in the year, and we'll talk about it a little bit more over the coming months. Um, but the reason I'm telling you now is this. I want to ask you to pray with us, because it's not me paying off a building or the elders, it's us together as a, as a body, as a local congregation. I want to ask you to pray for the Lord's provision. I want to ask you to pray that he would do the miraculous, because it is miraculous. I mean, that's a, it's a large amount of money, and to be honest, uh, I wrestled with the Lord on this, because I was like, it, you know, interest rates and all the things, and this isn't the time in the natural People don't have a lot of extra, so it's going to have to be supernatural. God's going to have to provide. But would you pray for him to do the miraculous? And would you pray and ask him what he would like you to bring um, and that he would provide above and beyond in your life so that you can give? That he, he would do something miraculous. And I believe the testimony, not just for us as a church, but the testimony in your life of seeing God provide and seeing God do something is going to be a kingdom advancing testimony that's going to transform your life. Um, I think it's one of these things that will help position us for what God wants to do in us and through us. So will you begin to pray with us? We'll talk a little bit more about what that looks like and when over the coming weeks and months. Um, and some of the things of, you know, 
how do we bring an offering and what, what is biblical and what is not biblical? Because some of us have been in context where it's, you know, it's been done in a, in a manipulative or not biblical way. That's not what we want to do. We want to see the miraculous provision of God and be positioned for what God's doing in us. Can you say amen? All right. Would you open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 18, please? The kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Jesus coming into our lives and into our world, into our, our world is one of the central themes of the Bible. It's the greatest, I think, it's the great challenge and the great commission for those who make Jesus the Lord of their lives. If you think about what are the challenges of following Jesus, well, allowing his rule and reign to permeate my life and then demonstrating that to people around us is the great challenge and the great commission of following him. It's our purpose here on earth. We're not just saved to sit and wait. Did you guys hear that? You're not just saved to sit and wait. Some of how we, we, you know, we have grown up doing church and you know, the gathering is important, but if we settle into this is all that it is, we've missed the purpose and the point of following Jesus. This is like the halftime rally. This is the encouragement. Yes, God moves powerfully and people encounter him and get set free. But if this is all that there is, we've missed the point of the kingdom. We're not just saved to sit and wait or to hold on to the end. We're given a mission to bring the rule and the reign and the authority of Jesus to everyone around us. And we're empowered by the very Spirit of God to do that mission. That's why it's, I, I believe it is impossible to be a Jesus follower, to live the way he's asked us to live without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. As Tyron said last week, it is in us and it's through us. As Paul illustrated so well two weeks ago, and if you weren't here, I think there's a, there's a photo up on one of their Facebooks. There is a spiritual battle, and Paul brought his sword, he brought Joey's long sword and swung it around on the stage. There's a spiritual battle. We know that Jesus has already won that battle, but we're living in the tension between seeing the fullness of that, like where we're with him in eternity, and there's no more sickness, and there's no more sorrow, and there's no more pain, and the, 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 the victory being won. So we have this mission to bring, and what Paul said is, it's time to pick up your sword. Stop being a spectator and step into the kingdom call. It's the Matthew 10 and the Matthew 28 commission for us as disciples. You cannot have the Matthew 28, go and make disciples uh, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, without the Matthew 10 commission, which is I've given you authority to cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, see people set free. We're called to be a kingdom advancing people, full of the Spirit, healing the sick. This is you. You are called to be full of the Spirit, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, casting out demons, operating as kingdom ambassadors in the authority of Jesus. You are called to be a disciple maker, to make disciples of Jesus, to baptize them in water and in the Spirit and teach them to become like Jesus. You are not called just to fill a seat on a Sunday morning and do your own thing. You are called, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, to do these things and to see his rule and reign permeate your life and then through you to those around you. In Matthew 6, verse 9 to 10, 
Jesus says this. He says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy, revered, honored, exalted be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Something of the rule and reign, the authority of heaven coming into right now. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We've, we've talked about this. It's right here. It's as, it's as close as your hand. It's not somewhere off for only the spiritual elite. It is for you and for I to be kingdom advancing people. First Chronicles 29 verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Think about that for a minute. For all that is in heaven, in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Yours is the kingdom, the rule, the reign, the authority. Psalm 24, verse 10. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. Which means pause. Rest. It's like a musical interlude for you to to uh, digest what was just said. Psalm 45, verse 6, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness or righteousness. Psalm 103, verse 19, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Are you getting an idea of the theme of the kingdom throughout the Bible? Why did Jesus come? To bring the kingdom of God to us. And then he says, it's better that I go because I'm going I'm to send the Holy Spirit, the helper, the, 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 the one who will lead you and guide you into truth and who will empower you for this task of seeing the rule and reign of heaven come to now. You guys are quiet this morning. You awake? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. It's available. And he's calling you and I to respond to his rule and his reign in our lives and to share it with others. I mean, Chantel's testimony. For those of you that came in a little bit late, I'll just remind you, we start at 10 and we actually have our prayer meeting before at 9.15. But if you come in after 10, you miss some of the best stuff because we usually start with testimonies. Chantel's mom who they had sent home from the hospital and said, that's it. Totally healed of her heart failure and of stage four cancer. Can we give Jesus a praise this morning? That's the authority of the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Jesus coming into a situation. Hayden praying for his friend who had, had hurt his ribs at school. That's the authority of the rule and reign of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven, coming into the now. The other testimonies we heard, Monica's knee. The, uh, and, and we have testimony after testimony after testimony. Why do we share testimonies? Because we, we want to stir faith that we believe that actually what God's called us to is for here and now. The thing is this. We have to be a people who can live with a little bit of mystery. People ask me all the time, well, you know, why did this person get healed and that person not get healed? I don't know. 
And if you have to know, you'll probably never see anyone get healed. I don't know, but I know that God's a healer, and I know he's called us to pray for the sick. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to intellectualize it. I don't have to understand it because you can't understand it because you're not God. What he's called you to is to bring the rule and reign, the authority of heaven, into the here and now. And he gets to manifest himself as he wants, but he wants to use you and I. So we don't have to understand. I'm not saying check out your brain. Like, I'm just saying you don't have to, you have to learn to live with some mystery. I can't tell you why all the time, but I know what we've been called to do. I can't tell you why some are set free and some aren't, but I know what we're called to do. We're called to set people free. I, I, I can't tell you the, all the whys behind, but I know what we're called. And for us to be a kingdom advancing people, we need to be a people who say yes and step into the call, even if we don't know the why of, you know, why does it work this time and not with that person? I don't know. I might be able to give you some, some ideas, but I'm not God. This is a theme that we're going to keep unpacking um, over the coming weeks. But this week, I've been pondering and praying into this whole um, area of the kingdom and responding to Jesus, seeing him move in our lives, saying, you know, God, you know, what do you want to teach us? What do you want to show us? Um, the, the kingdom of God, literally the rule and reign and authority coming into every area that it's not already in. That's why, I mean, that's why we make room for response. That's why we say, God, Lord, have your way. Um, and it's in, in us and through us. Is there things in my life that are not under your authority? That, that is there things that I need to be set free of? Is there things that, you know, that, that we can grow in so that we can help others be set free? How do I bring his, his lordship into every single area of my life? And I've been asking the Lord, how do we grow in this? How do we, how do, we do it? How do we steward faithfully what you're doing? I hope you're asking God some of those questions in your time with him. God, how do I grow in this? Lord, how do I do it? Lord, is there areas in my life that you want to bring your rule and reign? If you're not asking those questions of God, then we're never going to get to the place that he wants us to be in. But I was asking these questions, and I felt him lead me to Matthew 18, verse 1 to 4. We did get there. Matthew 18, and he says this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Interesting how these questions and comparisons pop up often. I mean, Jesus' disciples, like, Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of he heaven? I think we're guilty of the same questions sometimes. Who's the most anointed ministry? What church is seeing God move the most? We follow their podcasts. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I mean, yeah, there's lots of great stuff out there. But we're, we're often guilty of the same comparison. Who's the greatest in the kingdom. It's a question of comparison. Remember, so I'm going to jump to a different scripture. In Matthew 20, verse 20 to 21, uh, it says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, so these are a couple of Jesus' disciples, came, comes up to Jesus with her sons, kneels before him, and asks him something. She said to her, to, um, he said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at the, your left, in your kingdom. Wow. He's got more front than Meyer. Like, honestly, that's like, and he, his response is, you don't know what you're asking. Imagine coming to Jesus and being like, hey, 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 these two, these two guys, my two sons, they're pretty cool. You might have been overlooking him a little bit, but just in, your, in heaven, 
can you just, can you just tell me now that they're going to be at your right and left hand? Forget the other ten. Those guys can be around the table. But right and left, my two boys. Some of your parents would do that. Some of you guys are thinking, yep, that's something my parents would do. It's the comparison thing. It's the same thing. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? It's a hierarchical thinking. Uh, let's go back to Matthew 18. I'm going to get sidetracked. Um, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child. I love it. Like, I think Jesus like, looks around and goes, one of those kids, come over here. He put him in the midst of them. And he said, truly I say to you, unless you turn from your comparison, your hierarchical thinking, your I want to be the greatest, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. There's something for us to learn from this scripture. But let's look quickly at Matthew 19, verse 13 to 15 as well. It says, And the children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked the people and said, Let, uh, they rebuked the people. They're like, you know, he, Jesus is too busy. He's too important. They're still thinking hierarchy. They're still thinking, like, can I sit at his left and right hand? And, you know, it's all kind of about us and look at us. But Jesus says, says, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and they went away. Humility and childlike faith are keys to the kingdom coming in and through us. Because the, the kingdom doesn't come through us talking about the kingdom. It comes through our obedience and our responding to his leading. Jesus, to illustrate when they're saying, who's the greatest in the kingdom, brings a child and says, actually, the kingdom belongs to such as these. The kingdom belongs to such as these. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom. It's not whether you sit at my right or left hand or you have to get your mom to come ask because you were too scared to ask the question yourself. But it's humility and childlike faith that unlock the kingdom. See, we all come to Jesus with faith and humility. What do I mean? Well, to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we have to realize that we need a Savior. There's a humility of going, actually, there's a brokenness that I, that, that, that I can't fix myself. There's a hole that I can't fill. That, you know, I want to follow him. I want to make him the Lord of my life. There's a humility in dethroning ourselves from the throne of our lives and putting him on the throne. And Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10 says that for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We recognize our need of, uh, for a Savior and respond to Jesus in faith. Without humility, our uh, which is our recognition of the need for a Savior, and faith, which is looking to Jesus as our Savior, we can't be saved. If you haven't done that in your life, then today is the day of salvation for you. Recognize your need for a Savior and look to Jesus as your Savior. Make him the Lord of your life. And the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. It takes humility and faith 
for salvation. There's no salvation if we're not willing to humble ourselves and make Jesus the Lord of our lives through faith. But so often, from that place of humility and childlike faith, that I say, Lord, I need you. And salvation comes. So often from that place, pride begins to creep in. And we begin to think maybe at times that we know better. We think we've seen a few things. We've read a few books. We've done some study. And we know enough to get us in trouble. What I mean is this. We begin to think that we can do it on our own, that we can hold it together, that we don't need the Spirit to guide us and to lead us, that I can do what I want, that, we have a, that I, I have enough freedom in my life. I don't need to do any more. Or we have a certain revelation or a certain theology, and we begin to filter and judge the Word of God, the Bible, through what I think I already know, rather than just letting it continue to speak to me and challenge me. I begin to throw out scriptures of, of who God says he is and what he says he can do because someone wrote a book, some Pharisee wrote a book and says God doesn't do that anymore. And rather than believing he is who he says he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do, I begin to allow pride to creep in and I lose my childlike faith. We often lose the humility that says, I need freedom. I need Jesus. I need more of your presence, Lord. I need to respond. It's humbling to respond in front of others. It's humbling to lay ourselves down at his feet. It's humbling to pour out our worship. It's humbling to, to be undignified in his presence. But it's that very thing that releases his kingdom in us and through us. If we choose, sorry, if we, if we lose, if we choose and lose, if we lose the childlike faith to believe and receive, um, then we, 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 we lose the ability to take him at his word and see that come through our life. So often, get real with this, so often we read books by those who call themselves scholars who tell us that they know better. Rather than believing the Bible and responding first, we begin to reason why it's no longer relevant, why it doesn't apply to me, why it's for somebody else, why it's not for now. I can't tell you the amount of people that I have, um, uh, over the years that I've met, who have, who have read a book or listened to somebody's teaching, and I would probably go as far as to say it's either heresy or they're Pharisees and don't know Jesus, but they call themselves pastors. And because of that, they no longer respond in obedience to the things of the Bible or the voice of the Lord. Questions like, I don't believe a loving God would send people to hell. The gifts of the Spirit were only for the New Testament Bible times. They've ceased now. God's pattern in Scripture for finances is no longer relevant today. I don't need to be baptized we lose the childlike faith to believe what God says and respond in obedience to him. And we lose the humility to actually respond. 
We can't say we want to be a kingdom advancing people if we don't come to him humbly and with childlike faith. Having kids has taught me such a valuable lesson in this, this area um, because we can read it, but then you see childlike faith in action and it shifts something in you. Kids are happy with mystery. They don't have to understand everything. They don't have to know why if you go fast enough on a bike, you can ride on two wheels. They don't have to understand the laws of balance and physics. They just know if I go slow, I fall over. If I go fast, I stay up. And they go as fast as they can. They don't need to understand everything in natural terms. They come to Jesus with truly childlike faith. They just believe that he is who he says he is and that he's going to do it. Henry had a really bad um, uh, sprained ankle last year. Some of you guys remember him being on crutches, got tackled at school in soccer, thought it may have been broken or had a slight fracture. Um, I'll say it was sprained because the x-rays were inconclusive. Um, after, you know, you go to, the, go to the emergency time, you sit there forever, then you get the x-ray, and then they go, uh, it might be broken, but it might not be. Okay. But he came to church on his crutches, fully expecting that he would be healed. We had prayed at home, but he goes, no, I'm going to be healed today. And somebody prayed for him, and he was healed. And he didn't care. Like, he didn't have to explain it, and he didn't care about anything else. He literally was just like, yep, it feels good, chuck the crutches off, take the bandages off, ran straight outside to play soccer with the kids. Childlike faith. This is what Jesus is saying. The kingdom belongs to such as these. Sometimes we think, yeah, but like, we have this argument in our head. Maybe some, maybe some of you are having it this morning. Um, I, I don't want to kiss my brain goodbye. I'm not saying to kiss your brain goodbye, but I'm saying there is a childlike faith where we have to live with some mystery for God to be able to use us in the supernatural. In our house, my boys often ask the question, you know, we, we talk about the Bible, we talk about you know, things that God wants to do, and they often ask this question, but if it says that, why wouldn't people just do it? That's childlike faith. If it says it, why wouldn't you just do it? Not, yeah, but, you know, this guy thinks that it could be a little bit different, and then I read this other book, and he disagrees with, with that interpretation of the word, so, you know, I'm just not really sure if that's something that I can really step into and lay hold of, and, no, no, but if it, I mean, they, they, they sometimes ask it of you guys, to be honest. If the Bible says it, why don't they do it? And I'm like, it's not for you to judge other people. This is, we're talking about you, not them. Proverbs 3, verse 34, toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. Or another translation says this, he mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. Think about that. I was ministering at a church a number of years ago, and I've, and I've shared this example before, but I, like the Lord had told me people were going to respond. And so I preached the, preached the word put it out there for a response, and like two people came forward. And I was like, no, God, you said there was more. And so like called for a response again, maybe another one or two people. There's three or four in total that came forward. And like I labored it to the point that it was getting uncomfortable. You guys ever been in a meeting like that? I was like, I, there's somebody else who needs to come forward. And you know, like you know, because I've been in that place where you're like you're wrestling. Like I, I know that's me. 
Some of you guys have been in that place where you're like, oh, I need to respond, but you know, what will people think? And I don't know. And, uh. Like, I knew there was somebody in that, re- in that wrestle. In the end, it, got, it was like, we really just couldn't keep going any longer. So I was like, okay, we're, like, we prayed for the people that responded, that had the humility and the childlike faith to say yes to Jesus. We went out for lunch later on with the, the, the couple that were leading the church. It's one of the saddest conversations I've had in ministry because the pastor's wife kind of flippantly said, yeah, I knew I needed to respond, but I didn't want anyone to think less of me, so I didn't. Almost like she was proud of it, and it broke my heart. So often our response unlocks or restricts the response of others. I believe there was 10 or 15 or 20 people that were, would have responded if she had responded. But she was like, nah, whatever. It takes humility. It takes childlike faith to respond to what God's doing. Proverbs 22 verse 4 says, The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Or it more accurately reads this. The reward for humility, you can put a comma there, is the fear of the Lord, riches, honor, and life. There is a reward for humility before the Lord. There is a reward for responding to his leading and his drawing. James 4 verse 6, that's also the, the, the scripture we always use when we're talking about humility, that God's, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We receive the grace of God through humility. The picture is like this. Almost like God holds the pointy end of a spear at the proud. You can't move forward. But he releases his grace to the humble. Think about that in terms of salvation and of sanctification and of coming to him. He opposes the proud, but humility is what releases his grace to us. His undeserved, unmerited favor. James 4 verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. You know what's better than trying to exalt yourself? The Lord exalting you. Two disciples, hey mom, back there with these guys, hey mom, mom, go talk to Jesus. I reckon he got an in here. I think he, you know, he's, he's been pretty, pretty happy with you. Like, can you ask if we can be at the right and left hand? He's like, you don't even know what you're asking. He actually says, unless they can drink the cup that I'm going to drink. What's better than trying to exalt yourself? Humbling yourself, and the Lord will exalt you. There's a correlation between humility and childlike faith and the kingdom of God that we can't deny. I believe today, some of us need to humble ourselves and come back to the place of childlike faith and response. If he says it, I'm going to do it. Not make excuses because someone wrote a book about why I don't need to do it or because it's uncomfortable or because it's a challenge for me. If he says it, I'm going to do it. If we want to see the supernatural released in our lives and through our lives, then it has to be if he says it, Lord, I believe you. If you said it, I believe you and I'm going to do it and I don't have to know why. I'm going to pray for the sick. And I don't have to know why some get healed and some don't. Lord, I don't have to know why, but I'm going to keep contending. I'm going to keep contending. I'm going to keep contending. Why, why for some is it immediate and for some it takes longer? I don't know. But I'm going to keep contending. 
If there's demonic stuff in my life, it has to go. I'm not going to settle with a little bit of freedom. I need all the freedom that's available to me. Lord, would you make me clean? I'm not going to settle with a little bit of sin and a little bit of freedom. Lord, would you bring your freedom in my life? There's a humility and a childlike faith. It takes humility to say, I actually need some freedom. It takes humility to say, I'm struggling with some things. I want all the freedom that's available to me as a child of God. Would you stand with me this morning? Beth, would you come and just play some glory notes on the keys? I want to ask you some questions this morning as we respond to him. Maybe the rest of the team could come up as well. Sorry, I didn't mean to just only call Beth. Is there something that God has said to you that you've been resisting? I'm going to ask you, these are some pointed response questions. Is there something that God has said to you or asked of you that you've been resisting? Have you found yourself sitting in judgment rather than responding to the Lord? And Jesus says this in Matthew 12, verse 47, I think it is. So I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. If Jesus didn't come to judge, why do we think we can judge? We're going to worship again this morning. And I want to invite you to humble yourself. And to come to Jesus with childlike faith. Maybe you've been praying for healing. And you haven't seen it yet. Would you pray again? That's all I'm asking. Would you pray again? Would you keep contending? Maybe you need some freedom in your life. You know you've been tormented. There's some stuff you're struggling with. Would you humble yourself before the Lord and say, God, would you set me free? And yes, we can pray for each other, but I believe there's a moment here between you and God. You might need to come to the front and get on your knees before him and just do some business with him. But would we be a people in light of this kingdom call who walk in humility and stay in childlike faith. We're going to sing. If you need to respond, and I think many do, don't wait till later, although we will create space to linger and keep responding. I'm going to ask, would you come out of your seat? Do you come to the front? Would you get on your knees before the Lord? Or find a space in an aisle. Get on your knees before the Lord and do business, business with him this morning. Say, Lord, I humble myself again. I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for you. Lord, bring me back to a childlike faith. I'm sorry where other things have taken me away from believing that you are who you said you are and you can and will do what you said you're going to do. 
Let's worship and let's respond now. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.